The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time. It's time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 People Fan in Dallas, your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, which can be heard 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 People Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network, where he was uh, in in mid-season form last night for this final preseason game, doing the pre- and post-game show. Uh, We were all put on a little bit of alert, Brian, because the Cowboys did what the Cowboys do. Uh, You know, it's funny. I I, I was talking to uh, Nick Harris, who just got hired by DallasCowboys.com, and we were walking uh, out of the post-game locker room yesterday after the Cowboys beat the Raiders in the final preseason game, 31-16. to And I said to him, I said, uh, how was it to have, uh, you know, your, your first Friday night effed up by Cowboys news? And uh, you'll get those sometimes. You'll you'll get a, a day. Uh, I know David Hellman used to regularly joke about being on dates or something and having mm. to leave a date to go write a story for news. But the Cowboys drop a giant bomb on everyone with a Friday news dump. They trade a fourth-round pick for Trey Lance, the former third overall pick in the 2021 draft. Uh, a guy that had fallen out of favor in San Francisco, has thrown fewer than 500 career passes between high school, college, and the pros, um, but an immense talent, a high ceiling, a guy that the Cowboys thought highly of when he was coming out. Uh, but the Cowboys make this deal for Trey Lance, and of course that leaves several questions about the impact on Dak Prescott's future, his contract negotiations, and everything else. And we'll dive into some of the stuff that Jerry had to say, Stephen Jones, Dak Prescott, but... Brian, your initial thoughts, your initial takeaways on this news that the Cowboys have acquired Trey Lance and what that may mean for Dak Prescott specifically. Yeah, young Nick Harris might need to learn to carry his iPad with him when he goes on dates (laughs) or goes to lunch or dinner or any of those things. Uh, That was something that we always dealt with at uh, DallasCowboys.com. We'd all go out to eat, and one person was always responsible for the iPad. Somebody had to bring their iPad along in order for us to all go to dinner. And it happened more times than not that news came down. We were one time, I just remember this real quick, we were at Saltgrass uh, over there by Valley Ranch. And lo and behold, news comes out. And now we're all eating like chicken fried steaks and steaks and all this big old meal and, you know, and, and news breaks. And I think it was on the Greg Hardy front. 
is what it was. And so we were all, all dealing with that. And it was, but yeah, scramble. young Mr. Harris, young Mr. Harris will learn. Um, not surprised uh, by the Cowboys uh, doing this. Uh, I know on the G Bag Nation, um, we're a show that really enjoys team building. Our, I think our station as a whole enjoys team building when it comes to sports, whether it's the Rangers or the Cowboys or any, anybody. We like to talk about how teams are built. And I floated the idea of what would you consider to give up for Trey Lance if, you know, and and I said, you know, the guys are like, well, you know, his, his career looks like it's in a little bit of flux right now. You know, I offered my guys, I figured out that, you know, they had a high second round grade on him. I said, listen, they didn't have a first round grade on him, but would you consider giving, uh, you know, fourth, fifth round pick for him? And nobody really, everything was more in that sixth round range with the chance that if he played and all that. So we we talked about the possibility of Trey Lance. You know, it, it was a hard sell for my group of guys. But, you know, when the news came out and you learned it was a fourth round pick, it's not surprising because if you look at the history of Jerry Jones and, 14 years of my life is spent with the Cowboys doing things where, you know, it was trying to find quarterbacks, baseball players, you know, it yeah. is just constantly, you know, Tony Romo. It was, you know, Tony Romo, Jerry had to really overpay. And I mean, overpay and with bonus to get Romo to sign with us. I mean, he, he really closed the deal there drafting Dak Prescott in the fourth round. I mean, Jerry has a history of trying to find his quarterback without a tanking the season or b playing or paying a huge price to go get one you know he's more into and you know, Quincy Carter was a second round pick you know there were a lot of bad days of trying to find quarterbacks for the Dallas Cowboys but it was always it was never a it was never a high premium pick and he wasn't going to tank the season in order to go and get a quarterback so it doesn't surprise me uh they we laugh at them at times when we talk about they always tell us it's a 24 7 job with player evaluation uh we kind of laugh at what they're when they say that but in this case you know they've done a really nice job with their pro personnel department the evaluations they've been able to make using draft capital to move and go get you know, Gilmore, go get Cooks, now go get Lance. You know, they're trying to, you know, in Cowboys teams in the past, front offices in the past, would have never drafted a one technique. You know, so there's some things that we're seeing differently, but I'm not I'm not surprised that knowing what I know about Jerry and trying to go get quarterbacks and where they had Trey Lance on their board, that they they weren't going to make a call. Uh, that that doesn't surprise me. And it doesn't surprise me that they outbid everybody because I, I feel like they were in a situation where maybe the 49ers, John Lynch had probably told Jerry that, listen, we've got three other teams on the hook here that are interested in this pick or this player, excuse me, you know, what are you willing to do? Yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe Lynch baited Jerry a little bit, but if you think about a fourth round pick, Heck, we've seen video clips of Kansas City calling for the pick last year in the draft in the first round and offering a third-round pick to move five spots. You could get your fourth-round pick back. That That's not the 
don't let that don't let that discourage you on what this deal is really all about. But yeah, it it it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. It really really doesn't. Here's some of what Jared said. You mentioned that specific about the idea of, you know, uh, basically John Lynch maybe saying, hey, we got some interest here and yeah. you're 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 going to have to make something happen here. Uh, Jerry said a couple different things. Uh, one of the quotes he said, he said, the minute that we knew that they were serious about trading him, then we didn't want the phone to hang up. Uh, so right. he had that quote. And then the other quote he had there, he said, they said we want to trade him. And we said done. That's essentially yeah. how Jerry painted it. Now, Stephen chuckled. He was standing behind him while he was talking, and Steve was like, "It was a little more complicated than that, guys. We had to make some like we we called around. We did some other things. It was not as simple as just, hey, this is what we're doing here." Um, mm-hmm. But Jerry was like, "No, but it was it, that was the feeling was that when mm-hmm. they said they want him, we're like, this is happening now. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make this deal happen now because there was that urgency. One of the things that was discussed a little bit yesterday and, and was a little surprising." Jerry Jones said they did not talk to Dak Prescott before and did not give him a heads up. Maybe that's a little bit understandable because of the time frame. But what was interesting was 24 hours later, he told us he still had not talked to Dak. Apparently, he mm-hmm. didn't talk to Dak until they were on the field that night. So he talked to reporters mm-hmm. before he talked to Dak. Uh, and he also said they didn't talk to Mike McCarthy until it was done, other than mm-hmm. just ask him what he thought about the player. Um, right. So, but is that. Well, Mike that, was part of the evaluation. Is that a Mike little unusual, part- though? No, no. And, you know, and I, I remember a time, I remember a time, Bobby, when, uh, when I was in Philadelphia and I'm just trying to give you a little parallel here. Yeah. We're in Philadelphia and I'm working with Mike Lombardi and Mike's doing the pro personnel stuff and we're working. This is really right before the draft. And we have a trans chance to trade for Hugh Douglas from the New York Jets. And Michael walks into the draft room where I was sitting and he goes, Hey, you got anybody on that board? Uh, in the second round that you really like. And I said, yeah, I mean, there's some guys, but he goes, listen, I could give up a two right now and get Hugh Douglas, and, but we're not going to have a two. And I said, cool. And I said, well, what's the, what's the, what's the deal here with, you know, how we're going to do this? And he goes, well, let me call Parcells back and see. Parcells then tells Michael on the callback, I'm going to dinner. If you don't have this, if you don't have a two for me in the next 30 minutes, deals off. I'll go somewhere else. So sometimes it's like you were, you know, we didn't have a time to, you know, we had to make the deal right then and there. Like Michael said, yeah, deal. So, you know, there we go. We didn't have time to uh, to tell Jeff Lurie and, and tell Ray Rhodes and tell everybody what we were doing. It was Parcells had put our feet to the fire to say, and he said, listen, you want the player – you got to give me the pick, and you got to do it in the next thirty minutes. Yeah, that, and, we felt, we, and that, and I think that's what probably happened to to Jerry. I think Jerry probably got on the phone, or Stephen got on the phone. Uh, maybe Will McClay was the uh, the first one on the phone, and John Lynch said, "I've got teams interested," and Jerry didn't want to lose the player. And you know, I, I don't think you had to go back and tell Mike McCarthy because Mike was part of the evaluation in twenty twenty one. Yeah, you know he he should know like oh wow okay we have a chance to get Trey Lance great let's go you know he was part of that evaluation to put the one two zero grade on the top of the second round for Trey Lance is that so do you think part of what why they were so comfortable you think like just going yeah absolutely and, because, absolutely because yeah. Trey Lance basically has not played for two years and so to them yeah and that's the problem as, do they look at yeah. it as we don't have any information from the last two years that would change what we evaluated initially. Right. We don't have right. that. 
Right. So they, you know, so they just get, leaned on their evaluation and said, we're going to make a deal based off this evaluation that was already made. Listen, I, I've talked to folks around the league about this guy, you know, and I, I was just curious. And I had a guy tell me this. And I thought it was really, really well thought out. He says, this guy said, you know what, with Trey Lance, he just really needs time. And I'm, you know, I'm just kind of going through my text here. He says he just needs time. He needs reps, needs opportunity. This guy went on to say he, he's gotten the short end of the stick. Uh, he was a project coming out. He was going to sit a year as he developed. The rookie year, he broke his finger, broke a toe, and that really limited his development and actually set him back. Then last year, he had the broken ankle. And my guy went on to say if he doesn't break his ankle, he would have had some ups and downs. But he said, but I believe by the end of the season, he would have been playing at a starter level. And I said, cool. He goes, this year he looked better than he has. Okay, there's some people that will debate you on that. But he says, this guy is the one, the things you have to love about the kid is he's smart, he cares, and he wants to be good. You know, and those are all things, you know, those are that you're right. He hasn't played a lot of football. But when you're doing something like this, a young guy, you know, you're going through the only thing that appears to have set him back are these injuries, you know, and now you don't have to, he's not here to play. He's, he will be here to play in 2024. If something happens to Dak, you know, I mean, this is, this is more about trying to get the second quarterback to be at a certain level and get him ready to go. And I, again, I, I'm, I'm all about that. I listen, we all, we all saw what, what, Will Greer did last night. And good for Will Greer. But, you know, all this, 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 wow, Will Greer, Will Greer talk and all that. Well, did Will Greer play well enough for them to think about keeping him? Like if Will Greer played like he did last night in week one, week two of the preseason, week three, they might not even think about keeping, you know, they're, they're not thinking about putting Will Greer on the street or going to get a guy. Well, and you know, still, still what? important. Even with the the volume stats looking good like they did, there were at least three passes. And I don't want to dunk sure. on who's going through that. There no. were three three overthrows last night to yeah. open guy. Like so, I mean, it still was not perfect. Even there, there but still but, it, but it's the best that Will Greer. It's the best we've ever seen Will Greer yeah. play. Yeah, and, but that's on the player. You know, that's on the player. And he we talk about this emotional goodbye and all that. But you know, Bill Parcells. Another thing Parcells taught me is like Brian, you don't cut these players. These players cut themselves, mm. you know, they play in a way that you, they force you not to keep them on the roster. I'm sure we'll go through some guys on this show. Uh, Quentin Bohanna, you know, played well the first couple weeks, didn't play very well last week. Boom, could be gone. You know, uh, Simi Fajoko, you know, there's guys that have had opportunity and you play yourself off the roster. Yeah. And, but you know, Trey Lance, he was in a bad situation with San Francisco. They did a good job of finding quarterbacks. They're the ones with the – I keep saying this. They're the ones with the egg on their face. They're the ones that moved up in the draft. They're the ones that gave up the first-round picks. They're the ones that paid him all the money. You know, Dallas is just saying, okay, well, we're, we're here to take a look. And I can't – I don't think it's – I don't. I think this is more about 2024 and potentially 2025. It gives the Cowboys some flexibility if, you know, the, the Cowboys are in a situation, too, where Jerry Jones being the general manager and Stephen Jones soon to be the general manager, 
they're in a situation right now where these guys aren't going to get fired. You know, you and I, if we were general managers for somebody and didn't have a quarterback, we'd get fired. You know, we, you well, know, we you know wouldn't, we'd, we'd build a contender, Brian, you and I, would. well, that's, but, abs- but yeah. I mean, I, I'd other hope people for, sure. I would hope, yeah, yeah. but you know, but that's what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. that you as a general manager, you're very fearful and very mindful of your job of not having a quarterback. The Cowboys can afford to not pay or potentially not pay Dak Prescott 50 some million dollars and you know what, and just and say, you know what, we've got a quarterback here. We're going to play for half that, and this is how we're going to do it. You know, that's yeah, because the general managers are not afraid to losing their jobs. You know, it makes it makes a lot of sense to me the move that they made. Now, uh, we'll we'll get to the roster cutdowns here in just a sec. One last thing on the the Trey Lance front, and more specifically, I guess Dak Prescott weighing in on it. I was very surprised Dak Prescott spoke with the media last night. I did not think they were going to have him do that. Um, and, uh, you know, you heard all the audio. It was, it was four minutes, I think, of talking, um, and, and you saw some of the interaction there. Said a lot of the right things, um, and, and I think when you read it. Dak as, will always say the right yeah, things. As, as he he always will. He's very mindful of how, you know, he's very thoughtful of his words. He really as a, is. As a straight read, it the a transcript would not look off if you were to read no. it. Mm-hmm. Um, the tone and the body language was a little chilly. And I think that some people are wondering, you know, the question at that point is, okay, is that frustration that they traded for Trey Lance? Brian, you having heard him talk about it and everything else, my sense of it, and I'm curious if you agree, my sense of it is that seemed more like, you know, his frustration level or his chilliness that night was he was hurting for the guy in the quarterback room that he's been with and he's worked out with during the summer for the last couple of years. And he's just close with Will Greer. And Will Greer was very emotional last night. And I think he was just hurting for a guy he was close with. No, absolutely. And, you know, Will Greer had a sponsor in Doug Nussmeyer. And Doug Nussmeyer is no longer here, you know. And and let's be honest, Dak Prescott had a lot of respect for Doug Nussmeyer. And so for Dak, he's probably in a situation right now where he's going, okay, they took my – they took my quarterback coach. They're now taking a buddy of mine, you know, and it, yeah, it gets to be a very, you know, emotional, you know, it, it's, but it's, it really, really is a business. And I think Will Greer understood that. I think Dak understands that. It's just, it's kind of a tough time when, you know, a guy that you've been around with the last, you know, two, three years, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's moving on. And then, but I think Dak's right. I think you accept. You know, uh, you you welcome Trey Lance with open arms. Uh, you know, you you understand that Trey Lance was a, a first-round pick and a guy that, you know, he needs – Trey Lance, let's be honest, Trey Lance needs some love too. You know, Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, his first year, he got love from Mark Sanchez and got love from uh, Kellen Moore. And I think that's where Dak Prescott, the type of person he is, realizes that, hey, as the established quarterback, if something of a new teammate comes in, especially a quarterback, you need to embrace that. You need to try and make that, even though it's, you know, Dak is in his eighth year and, you know, know, sometimes quarterbacks don't, oh, this guy's coming for my job. I don't think that's the way with Dak Prescott. Oh yeah, I think, to, be, to be clear, I don't think, I think Dak Prescott views not at all. Trey Lance as a threat. Not to at all. Job. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I think that Dak actually 
from what he experienced in 2016, that very much carries him for how he deals with quarterbacks that are going to be added to the roster. Yeah. You know, he he doesn't want to be the guy like a Tony Romo that didn't help him one bit. Yeah. You know, it was it was Mark Sanchez who was at the end of his career and it was Kellen Moore that was trying to kind of figure out what he was doing in life. And those are the two guys that helped him the most and I don't think he'll ever I don't think Dak Prescott has ever forgot that. And he doesn't want to, you know, him and Tony, it wasn't good. That wasn't that wasn't a good situation at all. And yeah. I don't think Dak, I don't think Dak ever wants to put a team through that. You know, no, no, I, it's, really, it's, I really don't. It's probably similar to what, you know, Brett Favre didn't want to help Aaron Rodgers out. Not at all. Uh, and, Not at and, all. And Aaron Rodgers, as unhappy as he was that they drafted Jordan Love, all the reports were that he was pretty good with Jordan Love. He was a good teacher yeah. with Jordan Love. And one of the things when you watch Hard Knocks right now here on HBO, one of the cool aspects I think of it that we've seen has been Aaron Rodgers has been really good as a mentor for Zach Wilson. He really yeah. works to teach it. And Zach Wilson, there was this cool mic'd up moment at the end of the Tampa preseason game where he was talking to Kyle Trask. And Kyle asked him, he's like, how's it been working with Aaron? And he's like, man, it's so great. He's like, I'm sure you experienced it a little bit with Tom. But, man, when he, he just, like, he gets here and he has all these shortcuts, like, that you you don't even know exist when right. playing the quarterback position that, like, it, it just opens up a whole new – he's like, so, like, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm learning so much. So I think it's Aaron learned from that. I think Aaron felt like that was Aaron's got a chip on his shoulder. I don't think it like hurt him, but I think Aaron was like, I don't want to do that to somebody else that sucked. And same sort of thing probably for Dak. Cause the reality of it is it's uncomfortable to talk about. I think for a lot of Cowboys fans, nobody wants to talk about it, but the fact it, is, it, it Romo, divided the locker room. It Romo, really divided the locker room. Romo it was, really did. It, it wasn't just Romo wasn't playing mentor. It was a little difficult. It, it was, it yeah. was, Romo was difficult, I think, is a fair yeah, way to say it. Very difficult. Yeah. Very and difficult. So one day the 30 for 30 will come out about that years later and everybody will understand why the switch wasn't made mm-hmm. in 2016. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can listen to it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, 
Like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. And it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, there was a football game being played. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't just Trey Lance, uh, although it was a little bit distracting. Um, You know, some of these guys that we've been talking about that are on the bubble, uh, Stephen Jones had said earlier uh, last week that this was going to be the hardest roster cut down he's ever had. Now, I I think uh, we should point out that in 2021, literally just two years ago, at the end of preseason, he told the KNC Masterpiece on 105 Through the Fan, our uh, our buddies Kevin Hagelin and Corey Majors, he told them that... Mike Bassett, too? Yeah, well, at the time, Mike wasn't on there. Oh, that's a good point. But he may have been. Good point. Uh, Mike may have been on there. I'm I'm not sure if it was that time or not. But he told them that, uh, you know, he said, we have 65 NFL players, and we got to get it down to 53. We got 12 NFL players we're going to cut. So that means they must have at least 66 this year, Brian, uh, if it's Mm -hmm. the toughest cut down that they've ever had. Um, but some of the names that I we were talking about here heading into the bubble and injury questions and who are you going to carry over and things like that, Kelvin Joseph, um, yeah. Jabril Cox. Um, you know, you had guys like uh, Josh Ball, uh, Matt Farniak, um, you know, Hunter Lipke. Did Hunter Lipke do enough to play his way onto the roster? Um, I felt like Malik Davis was a pretty solid place on the roster. Maybe he's a little more... You know, maybe there's right. a little bit more of a question. He was suited up in this game. Uh, Peyton Hendershot yeah. was not. And so maybe yeah. Peyton Hendershot is comfortably on the roster now. Sean McEwen, what do they want to do there? So, uh, you know, several different factors going into this. But in general, did you have any specifics you wanted to take away from the game um, in terms of if you think it impacted roster status, um, your thoughts on on cut down day coming up? And I guess specifically I'll ask you this at the start because I know this is a, a debate sometimes that people have. Is there genuinely ever anything riding on the final game for somebody's roster spot? Are there some guys that it is so close for them that how they play in that game can determine it? Yeah, it had it happened to us uh, again. Story time with Uncle Brian. Uh, hey, people love these. The YouTube comments tells us all the time they love story. Nineteen ninety five. We're in Green Bay and uh, we're in the uh, Desmond Howard. Uh, we had just gotten Desmond Howard, and he really didn't practice at all. In the yeah, Desmond Howard, old Heisman, Desmond. Heisman pose. <laughs> he uh, Desmond doesn't really practice at all. He's still with a hamstring. Misses basically the entire preseason. Comes back playing the uh, Indianapolis Colts in a preseason game, and uh, there's a punt. Desmond Howard returns it for a touchdown, and there was questions whether Desmond Howard was going to make our team that 1995 season. And when he returned it, we went back the next day, had our meetings. Mike Holmgren, you know, Ron Wolf, the general manager of the Times, goes, uh, well, what about Desmond? Mike's like, no, we got to have this guy. We got to have him. He's going to make the team. We got to figure out how to get him on the team. And so we figured out how to get Desmond Howard on the team. And later that year, Desmond Howard was, uh, you know, uh, was later uh, the – Super Bowl MVP. I said 95 is 96. Dallas won the Super Bowl in 95, but 96 season. And so we, we, uh, you know, Desmond is, he's, you know, he's playing. He's, he re- makes one punt return and we keep him on the roster. And later that year in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, he was the Super Bowl MVP. And that yeah. just shows you how close 
he was. There was some thought. There was some thought that you know we're going to move on from Desmond Howell. We're not going to have. So yes, to answer your question, yes, it does matter. These games do matter. You know, they absolutely do matter. And I think anytime you can get guys on tape, uh, you know, and you can get guys. Now, some guys. What's happened though? There's some guys. And last night, I I, I want to say this. I think guys like T.J. Bass. You know, solidified his position. I, I thought awesome. I thought he played. Re- I thought TJ Bass played well. They, I thought overall the line did a really nice job. Yeah. You know, there were some times where uh, where Greer had to move, and he kind of figured out, navigated the pocket, ran for a couple of times. Navigated but I thought the pocket overall, better than he had the whole preseason. Yeah, and maybe the Raiders were playing pretty vanilla stuff, and they were taking advantage of that. But I, I, I you know what, the one thing. That I learned those those guys those young guys played week one against Jacksonville week two against Seattle week three against the Raiders and they all earned their letter jackets mm-hmm. because they all played a ton of snaps you know you earn your letter when you play a lot of snaps and yeah. they got their letter jackets in these games but they got better they really got better as the campaign you know for the preseason wore on so you started seeing awesome Richards getting better you started seeing. Uh, you know, TJ Bass getting better. Hell, Josh Ball got better. You know, I've, I've, until- I've settled, by the way, Brian. I don't know about you. I've settled on, I'd prefer to see him play guard. Guard, yeah, guard looks to be yeah, better. Now, now yeah. one thing we do need to update he, well, he, he got well, injury. He, yeah, he got Will, rocked Wilson by got Tyree him. Wilson. <laughs> Tyree Wilson that, got him. I mean, then he, he looked like the guy you saw on tape at Texas Tech on that yeah. rep, but he got yeah. rocked. Uh, Josh Ball. Uh, he ends up sustaining a hip injury. Uh, yeah. Michael Galkin from the Dallas Morning News is reporting that he will not need eight surgery, weeks. but he is out eight weeks. So yeah. that's going to be a roster question. We're recording this on Sunday night. It'll uh, it'll be up Monday. Uh, and so on Monday, you know, we'll be a day out from cuts. But now the discussion will be about Josh Ball, if they have to carry him for a day so that they can IR him and do him. I kind of feel like they're going to carry him. I do. I feel like they're going to carry him to put him on the injured reserve is what I'm Yeah, I'm, it's, it's called the a final 53. Guys like that. It's called the final yeah. 53. It's in reality yeah. the first 53. The, the roster yeah. will change by three or four names come Thursday. I think I think Nation Wright and Ball are both carry guys. And then uh, another carry guy, I think Jordan Lewis is going to – get carried on the roster, much like we saw Michael Gallup, because we've learned, right, Bobby, that the pup rules carry you four games out, right? Yep, four games. Okay. Minimum, you, if you start the season on pup, you have to be out four weeks. So I'm going to say that I'm going to say that Jordan Lewis is probably going to get carried, and with the thought of him playing maybe in the third week is my Yes, on Jordan Lewis. Now, here's an interesting name as we head into these cuts, because as I've, you know, as we've talked about before, we just referenced him. Michael Gelkin is incredibly well plugged in. Um, does a great job. Look, if, if you're a Cowboys fan, we've told you this before. If you need a heads up, if Todd Archer and Michael Gelkin are talking to you about roster moves, yeah. it's good to listen. That That's a, that's listen. something that you can can usually feel confident about. This was a line from Michael Gelkin's postgame report last night. Uh, he said, in reference to Kelvin Joseph and Jabril Cox, both there is a high likelihood that both players, if not traded by Tuesday, will be waived. So we've talked already about exploring depth guys, like guys you could trade uh, as depth pieces if you if you feel really strong at corner or defensive back or, or whatever else. Maybe you trade some of these guys and, and get something in return, swap depth for depth. Uh, maybe look to replenish some picks. 
probably not going to get a fourth rounder like you just gave up for for Lance, but you know, you've traded a fourth and two fifths now for next year. So maybe you look to just stock stockpile some late day three picks if you can find that. Um, but interesting that if Michael Gelkin saying, you know, Jabril Cox and and you know Kelvin Joseph have likely played their final games, that's uh that's really interesting. And also makes me feel like, you know, we talked about this in the pregame. Marquis Bell, Wanye Thomas, who do we say? One of the other things that Michael noted is he said Wanye Thomas is on, that yeah. he's here. And so and so that sounds like they're going to go heavy at safety and carry the those linebackers. guys as hybrid linebackers, and that's Absolutely. where they're going to cut Cox. Yeah, and, and Kelvin Joseph, uh, as of last night, I felt like that the special teams factor, the fact that he was playing as that down linebacker, the curse role, the fact that he could play in the slot, I – I wasn't willing to move on from him, but like you said, when guys like Gelkin, you know, start to talk about these players in that way, Michael's not one just to throw stuff up against the wall. And yeah. but you know, if on my list, the Kelvin Joseph would probably be the final guy. I had Jabril Cox as one of my guys that I would felt like that was going to get released. Now, now you said Kelvin Joseph is one of your final guys. Does that include Eric Scott or are you cutting Eric Scott in that instance? I cut Eric Scott as well. Okay. So I, that is the guy they trade. They, they traded capital yeah, for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm letting Eric Scott go. And uh, because to me, it kind of came down to believe it or not, it came down to Eric Scott. And then it also came down to uh, Jalen Brooks, you know, and you got Brooks on? I do. So you've got six receivers. Let's let's run through a couple of these position numbers right here. You're carrying three quarterbacks, obviously. Cooper Rush, yeah. Trey Lance, Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have them all you... broken down. I just have my names. I have them on my sheet. Oh, so, I you got, my... So, you, so you got your running backs yeah. here. So yeah. we, I think we've all felt like, obviously. Ronald Pollard. Jones. Ronald, yeah, Ronald Jones goes on suspension. Okay. And then I have Davis off. Davis and off. I have, you have Lippy and, off. Off. Okay, so three running backs, Vaughn, Dowdle, and, and Pollard. Yeah. Did you end up carrying four tight ends then? I have uh, Green, Fant, Stevens goes to IR, so yes. You have Green and Fant off or on? Off. Off, okay, so so Sean McEwen and Peyton Hendershot make it. Hendershot, by the way, who I think genuinely could have been in trouble with John Stevens coming yeah. on the way he was. Um Hendershot was on ice last night. He was not playing in this game, so yeah. that was somebody that had been solidified. Kevontae Turpin was also not playing in this game. He was somebody who was solidified. Uh, you know, what I think is a really interesting argument for Jalen Brooks being on like you have there is there's been some chatter again. We talk about really reliable sources. Todd Archer was writing about, look, uh, you know, you guys, people may have thought it was nothing, but that David Durden injury – People yeah. were not talking about him, but they gave a lot of signing bonus money to him. Stephen yeah. Jones went over and talked to him when he was getting carted off. There was a shot that David Durden could have snuck onto this roster. That that was not like completely uh, you know unheard yeah. of. And so if that's the case, that would have meant six. And Brooks is definitely in there now. So yeah. I, I'm curious, which offensive lineman did you end up cutting? In uh, Bostic, off. Okay, probably a practice Lynch. squad guy because they do like him. Yeah. Lindstrom off. There were a couple times I noticed he struggled last night. Hoffman off. That's interesting. You, Farniak you, you, you off. Wow. I think that maybe you might see a situation where they'll try and get one of these guys through, and then 
Do you use them like the practice squad yo-yo, you know, where they they bring them up and, you know, that kind of thing? But, yeah, I had I had Lindstrom, Hoffman, and Farniak all off my team. So do you have Alex Taylor Prielo on? Off. Off, okay. Uh, do you have Chuma Idoga on? On. Okay. And I and I, I think it's a veteran thing. That's the only reason I'm trying to guess what they're doing here. Total total guess, but I'm trying to see if that's what's going to happen. All right, I'm curious. Uh, what did you end up doing with Isaiah Land? On. On. That's a good call. Yeah. Land was one that we heard a lot about in the immediate aftermath of the draft. Of if you need to look for an undrafted free agent who can make the roster, that's a guy to notice. A couple more yeah. questions about this game last night before we go into the uh, before we go into the Q and A session, Brian. First off, uh, Brandon Aubrey makes one fifty-nine yarder, misses another, but uh, the first miss it had the distance, it just hooked. Mm-hmm. Did that give you a little more confidence that okay, Aubrey's got? Because I I don't know about you, but when we were in Oxnard, I didn't see the booming sixty yard. I didn't feel like he had Maher power. I didn't know. I didn't know he could. I didn't know he was ever. They we heard some whispers from practice that he made a one of fifty plus, and I think that's the first one. I don't think they attempted a whole in the pre practice stuff. There was some fifty one when him and Viscaino were going at it. There was some 50, 51, 52 yeah. kicks, but you didn't see many other than that. Didn't see many other than that. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel like, though, that gave me some – the kickoffs, man, are tremendous. The the leg streak, the way he drives the ball is outstanding, and that that six that uh, 59-yard field goal he made, I think, was a, one, I think it was a confidence booster, not only for him, but for the team. The yeah. team saw that this guy can make a long field goal, and I think that helps you. That that absolutely helps. A uh, couple other questions here. Was a message being sent, do you think, to Sam Williams that he was playing last night? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I, he's I, getting I, cut or anything, but I think that uh-oh. was like, hey, buddy, just so you yeah. know, you, you're not yeah. comfortable here. Nope. I totally agree with you on that. And then final one I'm curious about. Uh, Quentin Bohanna and Neville Gallimore, I believe, were both active last night. Uh, Bohanna yeah. played a lot more. Um, do you feel like they're both on? Do you feel like one's on, one's off? Where, where do you go with that? Gallimore I have on, and Bohanna I have off. Do you think it, and, and maybe it doesn't matter, maybe a million dollars is a million dollars, but they will owe Neville Gallimore in, uh, like a $1.1 million bonus, I believe, if he makes the 53-man mm-hmm. roster. Do you think yeah. they're willing to say he's been he's been better by enough of a margin than Bohanna that we will pay? Yeah, I, I think the thing about with Bohanna, last, I mean, he Bohanna has shown some promise but I think last night was kind of one of those moments where, like, yeah, you know, I just feel like that maybe that they'll go with a guy that has a little bit more flexibility at, you know, at uh, that can play the one and the three. You know, they have uh, that. I think that's the fact that it they you know this you keep Bohanna around. It's you know it's they Mozzie Smith needs to play. That I just you know don't. Don't let Mozzie Smith be an inactive guy. Get him all the reps. Give him all the reps you can get him and and try and get him ready. That's the only way he's going to get better technique-wise. Yeah, because he shows it at times. It's just about consistency. And the only way it's going to become more consistent is the reps. He is somewhere between playing against Purdue and playing against the New York Giants. I'll say this. For anybody who's uh, like a little concerned, I will tell you that I feel like as of today – he is further along than Tristan Hill was at the end of his first camp. 
So if you're Tristan, concerned, yeah, yeah, Tristan Hill didn't. He, if you're he concerned did. about oh, no he's, awareness, he's Tristan Hill no, or something yeah, like that, no, no, he's not. That that's not the concern. This is somebody who's shown yeah. more consistency. They feel much better about where he's at. It's just mm-hmm. he's a young player still. He's still developing. That's what you got right. there. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. We're going to lead things off today with a uh, question from Dr. Mark. We haven't gotten a Dr. Mark question in here in a while. Uh, both of us can answer this one here, but Brian, based off of the list you have of guys you've cut, so get your cut mm-hmm. list ready here, okay? Mm-hmm. Who is the one player you have the Cowboys releasing that you will think end up having the best career? Now, maybe that doesn't mean a star career, but the guy you think, hey, this guy maybe has a chance to figure it out. I still think that he'll contribute somewhere. You got somebody in mind right off the jump so I can look through my list? So – if Kelvin Joseph figures out his off the field issues, if Kelvin Joseph yeah. gets that stuff straight, he can play football. Like he's got the talent. Um, you know, I, I don't doubt that somebody somewhere is going to give Will Greer another shot um, mm-hmm. and give him a chance to contribute in some form or fashion. Uh, they're so heavy along the D line that I could see one of these guys being a a contributor somewhere else as a rotational or like a a spot rusher. Um, but, you know, if Jabril Cox is a guy that genuinely does get released and he just needs a fresh start, he still has a skill set as a cover guy, and he displayed it at times during this camp. I think a, a bad team that needs some linebacker depth that'll just throw him out there and let him get some reps in, uh, Jabril Cox could be a decent contributor for somebody this year. I kind of feel like Malik Davis would be this guy for me. I kind okay. of feel like I feel like that Malik Davis, as he goes to a team, you know, he's – they're going to have to work on the pass protection stuff. He catches the ball well enough. He's a tough guy. He runs hard between the tackles. Uh, he can bounce the ball to the outside. I kind of feel like if he goes to the right situation, that uh, maybe that he could be a guy that, like, in week seven, all of a sudden, oh, look, Malik Davis had 128 yards rushing, and it helped the Buccaneers beat the Saints, you know, in week seven kind of a game. You know, yeah. I, I that that would be him. And maybe even, and this is going to sound weird, because I don't think he runs great, but maybe Dennis Houston. You know, if Dennis Houston were to go 
and get an opportunity for somebody. Yeah, I maybe him getting more work, more look. I know he was a guy that was on the roster last year, but I kind of feel like that if he went somewhere and he was the sixth guy that maybe or he could be active for a game or two. I think he catches the ball really, really well. I just don't think he runs very fast, but his routes and awareness and all that stuff is pretty darn good. Yeah, and look, I mean, if Matt Farniak is the guy that they end up cutting, Farniak is a guy who can play all five positions. He's a good athlete. Mm-hmm. He's somebody right. who, with OL de- depth being what it is across the league, yeah. he could find another job and and probably yeah. get some spot starts along the way. He, at times, playing here at the NFL level, has filled in and, and had some good reps during regular season games over the last two years. Right. It's not always right. been great, but I mean, there have been times where he's absolutely gotten some good reps. in. so a lot of good names here, uh, like Steven Jones told you guys, it's the hardest roster to cut down in the history of the NFL. Uh, Brian, next question here from vice captain 30. He says, uh, how do you think Michael Gallup is going to do in the West coast offense? It feels like the receivers need to be real quick and precise with their cuts, which Gallup, of course, as we know, one of Gallup's big strengths is the, the seven, eight, nine routes. Like it's, it, that's where he does a lot of his damage. He, he's good at tracking the deep balls. Um, he's got a good catch radius. You know, he, that's kind of his, his bread and butter. So, is Michael Gallup going to have a lot of success in this, you know, hard timing, you know, quick strike slants type of offense? Yeah, I think it's with Michael, it's I don't think that's going to be a huge problem. But there are times where you will see him when he runs inside routes, he will fight the ball. You know, he will fight, you know, you know, whether it's the positioning or the contact. Uh, he's, I've always felt like that Michael was better outside the numbers. You know, the things like you say, the nines, the outs, you know, maybe the 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 things deeper down the Stuff field. Down the sideline, yeah. Yeah, that he's all because he's he's really good at high point in the ball. He's really good at uh the contorting his body in order to come down in a small space. So yeah, the inside stuff might not be to his strength. Stuff along the sidelines, stuff in, outside the numbers, I think that will be his his calling card. He'll kind of leave some of the other stuff uh, to uh, you know with Cooks and then with Lamb and those guys maybe for more of their inside stuff. But that you'll see that from them, and maybe Gallup is more a down the field guy or to the sideline. Uh, next question here from Josh Weaver: Who is the first offensive lineman off the bench in the event of an injury? So obviously that would probably matter. Where is the injury? Who's well, you've got. What's happening? Well, you've got well, you've got awesome Richards that you know can play tackle and play guard. So you to know, me, Eric, Eric Chiafalo asked me this in the pregame yesterday, and I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't believe you weighed in on it, but I'm curious if Tyron Smith were to go down. Obviously, like right now, it looks like the offensive line is Steele and Tyron playing the tackles. The guards are Tyler Smith and Zach Martin. The center is Tyler Biotish. If Tyron Smith were to go down at left tackle, is it bounce Ty- Tyler Smith outside? Tyron goes down at left tackle. Bounce Tyler Smith out to left tackle, plug in a guard, or keep Tyler at left guard and plug in an awesome Richards or someone like that. What would you do? I think the, I think they I think they want to keep the front of that pocket as solid as they can. You know, I think they want to keep I I because the it depends on how much you really love TJ Bass because TJ Bass if he had to go in and play is going to maul and brawl and be that kind of guy belly to belly blocker going to be tough and all that. Hard guy to move. If you believe in him that much, you could kick Smith outside and get away with playing him at guard. Did you? Think, I just kind. 
Did you think Bass was better playing on the right side than the left? I felt like when I watched him take reps at right guard, I thought it was better than left guard. Yeah, I I can't go there. I just feel like these kind of one of those. I don't think it was bad. He, I just I felt like it no, was he just at right whenever guard. you put him in, he just kind of plays, and yeah. he's he's just he's you know I saw if you believe in metrics and all those things, I think it was Pro Football had uh, was it Pro Football Focus. He didn't give up a pressure this preseason, and yeah. man, that guy played a ton of snaps. So maybe maybe the best best remedy would be to put him at guard and then kick Tyler Smith to the outside. That might, it might be better than having, I, I, I was trying to figure out if Bass was my sixth or seventh lineman is what I was trying to figure out. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it, I, it, it, he very well could be. Now, obviously Bass is not going to play center. Bass is not no. going to play tackle. So, I mean, but, but you know, they need to try and work with him. They need to try and work with him maybe a little bit, you know, when like if he gets to run scout team stuff and things yeah. like that. Let him play a little center, you know. Let him try and snap the ball and see what see what you got there in that that period. Uh, last question here from Ben MacArthur, and I think this is a good one because we haven't talked about this enough. Um, he says, "What happened with Chauncey Golston? Seemed to be on a promising track. Haven't heard much all mm-hmm. preseason. Um, some people it looks like don't even have him on the fifty three man roster." I think Chauncey Golston's on, like just without going through and doing yeah. my 53 yet. I think he's on. Mm-hmm. But they had high expectations for Chauncey Golston. They thought they had gotten a steal in the third round oh, in 2021. And I think there is there there's a little bit of, you know, building tension of like, okay, it's time to it, it's time. It's it time wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if he got released. It wouldn't be shocked. I don't think it's likely, but I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it's likely either, but it's just it's you're right. He they talked about him. He flashed playing as that under tackle or that three technique. And there's been some like games where he's just been kind of okay. You know, there were some and he played, I think in the second, the Seattle game, man, he played well into the fourth in that game, I believe. And so, you know, it's I I think the I think that that the uh the love for him was I think initially it was in the right place. Right now, I think there's a little bit more questions about you know about him playing uh, as, but who is going to back up Osa? That's the question you have to. Who is the backup three right now? You know, Osa. Osa, I think, is going to be really good, but they're going to need somebody to step up in that under tackle or that three, and I think it's going to have to be Golston. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening every week. Again, we have roster cutdowns on Tuesday, and we're getting into regular season mode now. So that means we're getting uh, pretty close to three episodes a week. Uh, yeah. So I, I believe uh, we will have another episode for you. I would guess Wednesday morning will be the next one, uh, reacting to the initial round of cuts. Uh, might be Wednesday afternoon if we just decide to see waiver wire first, just kind of see where mm-hmm. things kind of go and get some changes. Uh, but either way, uh, the next time the Cowboys play football, it'll be real football on the road against the New York Giants for week one, Sunday night football. Uh, it should be exciting, and we can't wait to cover it with you guys all season long. For Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys later.